Come on, who's glad to be in church on a Wednesday night? Come on, can we give God praise for his faithfulness and his goodness? Come on, I was lost in worship. I've had enough already. You don't have to hear a word I have to say. So grateful to be here and uh, such an honor uh, to be standing before you and always humble uh, to be in this pulpit. Um, May the 7th will be a great day to celebrate two very special people in the Ryan family's life. And uh, I'll say this now, he won't hear it. Somebody tell him, okay? Because he won't listen to a Gator fan a lot. But I love pastors Kevin and Devin with all my heart. And our family is forever grateful to them. They'll never know uh, the seeds they've sown and how they've stretched our family and helped us grow. And uh, I could never put in words how grateful I am for them. I'm so thankful to be a part of this wonderful team. Uh, it's so good to be in Chattanooga. Normally, I'm in Athens. My wife's holding down the fort there tonight with our great team, uh, pouring into them, and we're so grateful for the opportunity. As I've heard Pastor Kevin say so many times, it's not how many we keep, it's how many we send. And when they send you, they don't gently send you. They, as Lou Engle says, a bolo toss you into the fire. And here you go, and we're still trying to keep our head above water. Uh, ungrateful for them, but uh, so grateful for our pastors, grateful for this house. And, uh, you know, you hear worship, and the message you got, you think we all talk and coordinate all this stuff, but we're not that good to do that. So, uh, but they were singing right in line with where we're going tonight. So I'm so grateful for that. You can go to Joshua chapter 8. Joshua chapter 8. I'm so high-tech, I wrote my notes on this envelope, old piece of mail. Uh, how many of you use your mail for everything but what it's supposed to be used for? So I thought instead of throwing it in the trash, I would use it to write some notes on today. Let's look at Joshua chapter 8 tonight. I'm not wearing Florida Gator stuff, Anna, just so you know. Supporting McMinn County, the tribe, baby, we love them. Uh, chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid. Somebody say, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you, and arise and go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as, I love the new King James Version, the middle school, Chris Ryan comes out here, you shall take as booty for yourselves and lay an ambush for the city behind it. They're like a bunch of band of pirates going to take a treasure. Hallelujah. Tonight, I want to talk about overcoming AI, overcoming AI. Can we pray? Father, we thank you. I thank you for your presence I feel here. Thank you that you're already given victory. But God, I pray we walk out of here in complete and total victory tonight. I bind the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I just came to put him on notice that we came to bring a midweek disruption to his plans 
and we just declare victory in this house tonight. Victory over every troubled heart. Victory over every troubled mind tonight. Victory in every troubled home. Victory in the city of Chattanooga and every city watching online. God, we just declare victory tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. Turn around and look at somebody and say, you got victory, neighbor. You got victory, neighbor. Look at somebody else say, you look 10 times better than you looked on Sunday. I don't know what happened between Sunday and tonight, but man, you look good tonight. When I was reading about this and was reading about AI, all that kept coming up in my head was what we've been hearing, if you haven't heard, where have you been, about AI, artificial intelligence. Anybody heard about artificial intelligence? Have, have you heard about it? Anybody tried out this artificial intelligence that is out there? I'm telling you, the movies are coming alive today, people. Be careful what you go watch in the theater. You'll be living it. All I can think about is that movie Eagle Eye. If you've never seen Eagle Eye, you got to go search it and look it up because I felt like I was in Eagle Eye. I couldn't help myself. I had to go look up this artificial intelligence. Okay, so I went to chat GD something. I don't know. I, I searched it out, found it, got on, sold all my information to them, said, come, steal, take whatever you want, and let me try out this artificial intelligence. And you can ask this artificial intelligence any question. Tell it you need something, and within a few seconds, it spits out a perfectly full answer to you. Uh, kids in school, if you don't know about it, your kids know about it, okay? Because they have learned that they can go in, I need an essay paper on such and such, and it spits out the most, where was this when I was in school? I was horrible at writing papers. I could not do this, but the right now, teachers are already having to come up with things to guard against this. Uh, one teacher in particular, her whole class had essay papers and all the papers kind of looked similar and the same and it's because they let artificial intelligence write their paper. And artificial intelligence does not always get everything right. But our world is going to, I looked up, I asked AI, what are you? And here's what it spit out to me. It spit out four paragraphs, but I'm not gonna read four paragraphs to you. It says AI can be thought of as a set of technologies and techniques that enable machines to simulate and extend human cognitive abilities. I sound really smart. Such as perception, reasoning, problem solving, and decision making. Some of the key technologies used in AI include machine learning, natural language processing, computer vision, robotics, and expert systems. Machine learning in particular is a central part of AI and involves training algorithms to learn from data and improve their performance over time without being explicitly, explicitly programmed to do so. This allows machines to identify patterns and make predictions based on large volumes of data, which can be applied to a wide range of applications from image recognition and speech recognition to fraud detection and personalized marketing. When I read this, it makes me want to go hide in a hole with my chickens back on the farm and burn every computer and phone I have in my house. Artificial intelligence is going out there and it's taking it over. But I'm telling you, there is another artificial intelligence that's being put out in the atmosphere that is destroying the lives of people in our communities and in our world. And if we're not careful, we'll believe the lie of artificial intelligence 
and it'll tear us down. But I came to say that we can overcome tonight in Jesus' name. Can somebody say we're overcomers tonight? There's a lot of artificial intelligence. I know the artificial intelligence I just talked about has to do with a computer telling you what we should do, what we think, and combining all kinds of forces and taking the place of human beings and computers and robotics running everything in the world. But there's another kind of artificial intelligence that people are buying the lie of, and we've got to put a stop to it, and we've got to get back to the truth of God's Word. As I look in our world today, there's a whole lot of artificial intelligence being spewed out there. One of those is the pride agenda, telling us that we can be whatever we want to be, we can change our anatomy, and we can live however we want to live, and everybody just must accept us with how we are. But the Word of God tells me that He knew me before I was formed in my mother's womb, and that He knows every hair on my head. He formed me just the way He wanted me to be, so I don't need to try to take the place of God. God. I just need to trust the God who created me and walk in that plan. Can somebody say amen to that? We also believe this lie as I'm watching around our world. We, we believe this lie that uh, we can't tell our kids how they should act or how they should live. And they want to, some states, uh, say that they can come and remove your kids from your home if they don't like the way you are parenting them. But my Bible tells me in Proverbs 28, and I even hear people say, you don't need to say the Bible says. But I'm sorry. The Bible is truth. The Bible is living. It is the Word of God. I will always go back to what the Bible says. And the Bible says in Proverbs, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, I don't know if you've ever trained anything. I have a bunch of chickens. I've trained my chickens. Yes, you can ask Zachary, which I'm glad to have my buddy Zach with me tonight. He's the only child that said, I'll go with dad tonight. So he is the golden child in the house now because he came with dad tonight and didn't leave him stranded by himself. And so we go out to the chickens. They follow us around like puppy dogs now. We got them trained. Why? Because they know when we come walking out, we got some food or something for them. And so they're going to follow us everywhere. I can take down their little fence and go, five acres away and they're going to follow us and go to wherever we go to put them and not run off because we have trained them. And I've been with coaches who train teams and anytime you're training something, there must be correcting in the training, right? Like if you are working out training and you have a trainer that is helping you work out, they're going to stop and correct you if you're lifting the wrong way because they don't want you to get hurt and injure yourself. They're going to tell you, you're doing that wrong. This is the correct way to do it. Moms and dads, I just want to release you. I have no authority to do this, but just want to let you know it is okay to correct your children in 2023. Can somebody say amen? My kids are not the boss in my home. It is still because your parents said so. That's why you're going to do this. My parents raised me that way, and as far as I know, I'm not too far gone crazy, and I have made it just fine. We need to still train up our children in the way they should go. There is none of this, I'm not my kids' friends. I want them to love me. I want them to be my friends. We like to go do fun stuff together. We go to races. We go to WW 
WWE and we cheer on everybody and we boo the bad guys and we have a great time together. But at the end of the day, I'm still the parent and they're still the child. And for some reason, that's gotten really out of character today for us to say because we believe this artificial intelligence that's being out there and our world's going crazy because we've lost parenting in our society. I just took our sweet legacy builder group. You don't know what a legacy builder group, it, Anna talked about groups earlier. We have a group of 55 and over. They'll never want you to say their age, and I won't do it. I tell them they're as young as they ever want to be out there. But we just took them out for a trip, and I talked to so many on that trip that are raising their grandkids today. I said, what is going on? What do we think that we get to go out, have fun, have all the kids we want, and mom and dad raised us for 18 or 20 years, and now we just toss our own kids over to mom and dad and say, hey, raise our kids for us. We're still not done growing up yet. We need to take responsibility today and quit believing this false narrative out there that you can do as you want whenever you want. And that's where the children of Israel are today. That's where they are in the book of Joshua. Is because they keep following a vicious cycle that keeps taking them over. You know every story you can read about the children of Israel, and it lines up with us today, follows the same cycle over and over again. It starts with obedience followed by victory. How many of you know when we obey the word of God, we'll see the blessings of God in our life? Amen? So when we obey, we see victory. Victory is then followed by blessing. And then blessing, here's where it gets twisted. Blessing is followed by pride and disobedience. What happens when the blessings of the Lord start coming on our life? For some reason, we start believing the fact that we are the one that causes blessing in our home. And look how great I'm living. I'm such a holy man of God. And man, I've got everything under control. And pride starts to creep in, which leads to disobedience. And disobedience is followed by defeat. Defeat followed by judgment. Judgment followed by repentance. Repentance followed by obedience. Obedience followed by victory. And the cycle keeps on continuing over and over again. Tonight, my prayer is, is that we break this cycle. And that we stop at obedient, obedience leading to victory. Victory leading to blessings. How many of you know we don't have to go past that any longer? We don't have to go into disobedience and defeat and judgment if we'll just continue to obey. Everybody say obey. Just obey and you'll see the victory in your life and the blessings will follow the victory. Now you have to obey even when it's tough to obey. Even when it's not popular to obey. We thought it was only going to be like that when we were children. But now that we're grown-ups, we still get pushed in circles where we think, mm, not, it's not very popular to obey right now. But we still should obey every word of God. And I learned this a long time ago. Delayed obedience is really disobedience. If I'm truly obeying, I'll obey right away. Obey right away. So let's talk about being a victor tonight. Who wants to be a victor tonight? I have six points to help you be a victor tonight. Amen? Number one, and we'll look through chapter eight here. Victor, the V in victor stands for valiantly facing your fears. Valiantly facing your fears. Verse one begins with, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Why would they begin chapter 8 with do not be afraid? Well, you got to go back to chapter 6 and chapter 7 to find out why we're at this point where God's having to remind them, 
do not be afraid. In chapter 6, they had the greatest victory they had had. They conquered the city of Jericho. Jericho was the largest city in Canaan. They're in the promised land, and they saw a great victory by marching around the wall silently and shouting before the victory came, and they watched the victory happen right before their eyes, and they took it. And God says, when you take the city, burn everything and bring the silver and gold to God's house. It was the first fruit of many cities they would conquer. And how many of you know we need to keep God first in our life? That's why we tithe off the top and we give him the first. That's why we give a first fruits at the beginning of the year because we put God first. It's not something new. They were doing it back here. But there was one guy named Achan that I like to call mistaken Achan because Achan was mistaken. And I won't say the last part that I came up with. My wife said it wasn't good. So I won't say that. But mistaken Achan made a mistake. And he could not let go of the temptation. And so he hid a little bit of gold and a little bit of silver. That mounted up to about $40,000. And then he added a fancy bathrobe on top of it. And he hid it under his tent. And then in chapter 7, they go to take Ai. And Ai was a much smaller city than Jericho. So Joshua, this is that cycle where self-pride starts coming in. And he only sends 3,000 men to take Ai. And those 3,000 men get run out of town in a hurry. And Ai chases them down, and they kill 36 men on the descent down the hill. And they come back welling. And Joshua is welling before the Lord. Why would you embarrass us? Because that's what we all do, right? We don't ever self-inspect ourselves. We always look at God and say, why did you let this happen? And Joshua says, God, why did you let this happen? He's laying before the Lord. And God says, get up and deal with the sin in the camp. And so he gave Achan time after time. He showed him mercy. There were so many times I could take you through in chapter 7 that Achan had an opportunity to step up and say, I'm sorry and repent and probably wouldn't have faced the punishment that he faced. But in the end, he did not fess up and he ended up costing him and his entire family, the goats, the sheep, the dogs, the chickens, everybody, a part of Achan's family was killed because of their disobedience. And now they're standing. They've been embarrassed. And God says, you're going to take the land of Ai. But before he does that, he says, do not be afraid. Somebody much smarter than me took time to study throughout the Bible and find out that do not be afraid, that phrase is spoken 365 times throughout the Bible. 365 times it says, do not be afraid. Now for you math whizzes out there, that's one for every day of the year to say, do not be afraid. I don't know about you, but on Monday, I needed a do not be afraid. On Tuesday, I needed to be reminded, do not be afraid. This morning, I needed to be reminded, Chris, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid of past mistakes and failures and start listening to the lie of the enemy saying you don't belong in this spot. You shouldn't be doing it. If they only knew about you, you let your failures be the foundation that God builds upon and you can stand back and say, look what the Lord has done in my life. Here's what I've learned to do when the enemy starts reminding me of my past mistakes and past failures. I begin to start laughing and say, I know. Isn't it incredible? 
it blows my mind that God would still trust me and still use me even after all those mistakes because that's how good my God is. Do not be afraid. And he dealt with the sin in the camp. So if you're going to be a victor, you've got to valiantly face your fears. Number two, the I and victor, you've got to intellectually seek God's will. You've got to follow God's plan. If I look at verse number two, verse number two says, And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as a treasure for yourselves. If only Achan would have waited one chapter, he could have had every desire of his heart with no punishment involved. Yet he could not wait. How hard is it for you to wait today? How hard is it for us to wait when we know God has a promise for us? When we know, God, you said you'll supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. And here's the answer to my need. And you tell me I can't have that. And it's so hard for us to wait. But I'm reminded of the scripture in Isaiah. It says, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. You and I need to learn to Seek God's will in every decision of our life. Where am I to think that I'm smart enough to do this all by myself? I need God's will to know how to parent my children. I need God's will to know how to live in a good marriage with my wife every day. I need to know God's will on how to lead a church campus and how to help a community grow closer to God. I can't do this by myself, and I need God's plan. The other reason you have to intellectually seek his will is because he don't always use the same plan. In chapter 6, he told them march around walls and shout. Now they're getting ready to go to another battle, and he says, you're going to do an ambush. He says, you're going you're to go, we're going to psych them out, we're going to fake them out. Send three groups around, and then send one group that acts real scared. So they come up again, and AI goes, oh, here they come again. Let's go take them down again. And they take off running. Oh, gosh, please don't get me. Please don't get me. You know how kids do when they know they're fooling you. And as soon as they pulled them out, the rest of the crew went in, and they burned down the city of AI. And the enemy knew they were trapped in that moment. They could have said, no, wait a minute. We marched around the city last time, and that's what got us victory. So we're not going to do this ambush thing. We're going to march this time. you got to seek God's will and plan and make sure you're not trying to pull up old idols and old traditions in today's society and make sure you're still following the cloud today and not following your man-made tradition. We got to intellectually seek God's will if we're going to have victory. The C is carefully consider your resources. Carefully consider your resources. I love as we read on down through here in verse 3, it says, So Joshua arose. And all the people of war to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men. In chapter 7, he said, ah, 3,000 of you will do. Send 3,000. He learned his mistake. And he says, I won't waste one resource on this. Every resource is going. Have you considered the resources God has put in your life lately? 
Because I see so many of us, and I'm guilty of this more than anybody, of trying to live my life without any margin in it, right? Like, we only have 24 hours in a day, and we try to cram as much as we can in that 24 hours. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, do you plan meetings on top of meetings and go, and like, you look at your schedule, and no good and well, you're not going to be able to meet that demand today, but somehow you're going to push through and see it happen. We leave ourselves no margin in our life, especially if you've got kids and you try to get them involved in everything. Well, we got to get this one to baseball. We got to get that one to swimming and we got to get this one over here to arts and crafts and they're all due at the same time and they're 30 miles apart from each other and there's two of us. So here we go. Let's do it. We have no margin and we lead ourselves to being burnout, run out and destroying our lives because we don't have margin and we're not using the resources God has put in our life. And we do this in our own spiritual walk. Today, even in the church world, we're trying to see how close to sin can we get to make them like us, but not let sin pull us in and destroy us. I never read anywhere in the Word of God where it says, live as close to it as you can. It says, flee, flee the enemy. Get away from it. You are bound and term. I am not good enough. With my balance, I'm not even going to do it because I will fall right here and Pastor Wilmar will finish this message because I will crumble on the floor if I drop right there. We try to see how close we can live with sin and still get to heaven. That's the question we get as pastors all the time. Is this sin, Pastor, if I do this? Is this sin if I do that? I go, I don't know. Are you going to walk around with a guilty conscience all of your life? Are you going to be able to stay close to the Lord by doing that? That's for you to determine how close you want to get. But I want as much margin in between me and sin because I've seen enough effects of sin to know I want nothing to do with it. I don't care how they label it or how fun it is. I've watched too many in my own family get destroyed by sin. Sin. I've watched them have fun for a little while and I've watched it destroy and crumble. I've watched students in schools crumble because they can't get away from sin. I want nothing to do with something that's going to destroy my life. So we've got to build margin. You have resources all around you that you never pick up and use. And it starts right here with this book, The Word of God. So many of us use it as a decorative tool on a shelf or it's collecting dust under our bed or in a bookshelf. It's got more dust than the rest of the house and, and we just keep it there and nobody picks it up and reads it. But there is life in this book. This is our offensive weapon, our sword against the enemy. And we've got to pick up the word of God. Prayer is another resource. But so many of us love pouting and we love posting about our problems instead of praying to the God who can answer our problems. We need to use the power of prayer. The enemy distracts us from prayer all the time. That's why when you go in to pray, you fall asleep as soon as you go in. That's why your belly starts grumbling and growling. That's why you start thinking of 15 million things you need to do that day that you never thought of till you sat down to pray. Why? Because the enemy knows how powerful it is. But if I'll use that resource, it will build some more in my life and no weapon formed against me will be able to prosper we've got to use the resources that are given to us accountability is another resource man how much accountability will save you from so much destruction in your life the question is how accountable do you really want to be are you just accountable with one person or you got a group of people that you're accountable with 
tell people all the time, I forgot my phone tonight, which is probably a blessing. It's in Athens somewhere, probably everybody trying to call me. But I, I'm accountable to that phone, not only to my wife, but to people not even in this state that get alerts if, I, if I'm searching something or doing anything like that. They can see anything at any point in time. I tell everybody, my office computer, my phone, anything I have is open to multiple people for them to take a look at. Why would you do that? Is something wrong with you, Pastor Chris? Not a thing wrong with me and don't want a thing to be wrong with me. I want margin in my life. I don't want to get anywhere near the enemy having a foothold in my life. We've got to have accountability and thank God for intercessors say, well, you're a preacher and you've got intercessors. No, I'm sure you had a praying grandmother or a praying mom and dad or a praying cousin, aunt or uncle, and that's the reason you're sitting here tonight. Somebody is praying for you tonight, and you need to be thankful for that. Consider all the resources that are available to you. The T in Victor is trust in Jesus always. You always got to look to him. Here's what I love about Joshua. In verse number 9, it says, Joshua therefore sent them out, and they went to lie in ambush and stayed between Bethel and Ai, on the west side of Ai. But here's the point. Joshua lodged that night among the people. What a leader. He knew they were nervous. He knew they had seen defeat by this enemy. And in that moment, he says, I'm not going to stand off from them. I'm going to get as close to them as I can. I'm going to stay with them all night long. Isn't that just like Jesus? It says he's near the brokenhearted, that he sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is not looking to distance himself from you. He's trying to get as close to you as he can. So why don't you look to get as close to him as you can? As a pastor, it breaks my heart to watch people that have been on fire for God. They're in the church. They're serving. They're doing great things. And the enemy slips in and, and there's a fall or something happens and they let shame and guilt pile on them. And instead of drawing close to the Lord in that moment, they run and hide as far as they can away from him. Can I tell you, God's not wanting you to run and hide. He's not out to beat you down and tear you up. That is the moment that you need to draw the closest to the Lord. It's in those moments that you find true strength in him. It's in those moments that you really see his glory revealed if you'll just trust him and get near him. You got to get close to him. You got to look for him in every situation and stay close. The O in Victor is overcome obstacles with faith. Somebody say overcome. Overcome. That's the greatest offensive weapon. Faith is an action, right? Faith is not just a word. The word says faith without works is dead. I got to walk by faith and not by sight. It's time for you to quit taking junk from the enemy, and it's time for you to step up and go on the offense. Can you imagine AI laughing at the children of Israel and saying, we took you down after Jericho couldn't take you down, and we took you down. And they're laughing in their face. And they could have sit there and took that all day long, but they decided to stand up and go on the offense. The Bible says that Joshua was told by the Lord, take the spear in your hand and stretch it forward. That that meant it's time to move 
forward. I don't care where you are at in life right now, if you're super holy right now as you think you are, or if you feel like a complete failure, you do not have to sit and take any more from the enemy today. You can stand up and go on the offense. And basketball, I love offense. Defense is what allows you to get the offense, but I love some offense because we get to score points in offense. We get to slam dunk in offense. We get to shoot threes and hold our hand up and show off on the way down the floor because we get to go on offense. Offense is way more fun than defense. And God says it's time to go on the offense. It's time to take back what the enemy has tried to steal from you. How do I go on offense? I begin to speak the word of God. I can look in Ephesians at the armor of God and he gives me one offensive weapon because that's all I need. And it's the word of God. Because anytime the enemy starts chirping in my ear, I just start speaking the word back to him. And it sends him fleeing. When he comes to me, just like he did Jesus in the wilderness, every time he come against Jesus, he spoke back. Jesus spoke back and said, it is written. When he comes against you and says, you're not going to be able to make it, you say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. When he says, you're too weak to make it, you say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When he says, this sickness is going to be unto death, you tell him, by his stripes, I am healed and made whole. You got to start going on the offense. It's time for the church to wake up and it's time for us to speak up. The enemy is getting louder by the day and that is not time for us to cower in these four walls and sit silently and pray for Jesus to come back. It tells me that he's coming back on a white horse with a two-edged sword in his hand and we're going to be riding behind him. What does that mean? I'm not on defense at that point. We're on offense pushing back the gates of hell. It's time to push back the gates of hell with the offensive weapon that he's given us. Somebody speak the word over your home today. You got to go on the offense. And lastly, if musicians will come, the R is show no mercy. Show no mercy. Resolutely stand against evil. Resolutely means I have made up my mind and there is no turning back. See, it's this part of the Old Testament that's hard for some of us to take. Because it tells me over in verse 26... For Joshua did not draw back his hand with which he stretched out the spear until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Now us guys are like, yeah, war, we took them down. But when I read that, it says all inhabitants. They destroyed the entire city, left no one. No man, no woman, and no child. That was a part of the city of Ai. Lived. They all had to die. You say, what kind of God would allow something like that to happen? You say, I don't, I don't like that God of the Old Testament. He's judgmental, wrath, warring, mean God. I don't like that God. Give me the God of the New Testament. That's loving, gracious, merciful, always calling sin to hug us. Can I remind you tonight that there's no difference between the Old Testament God and the New Testament God? He is the one true God here. And if you read the whole story, because here's where the critics will pick out one verse and build their story around it. 
But you got to see the whole story to know that God is merciful at all times. He gives you chance after chance to get it right. Because all the way back at the beginning of Joshua, when the spies went into Jericho, there was a, a prostitute named Rahab who took them in and hid them from the leaders of Jericho. And she told the spies that day, she says, everyone here knows your God is the true God. She says, they all know. We've heard the stories. We heard how your God opened up the Red Sea. We've heard how your God provided food for you in the wilderness. And we sit and watch with our own eyes him roll back the Jordan River 16 and a half miles so three and a half million of you could walk across the river to take our city. We know your God is the true God. They acknowledged him as God but did not surrender their hearts to him. How many times do we see that in our own world today? People know he's the true God. Yet they're not willing to surrender to him. Can I tell you there's still a day coming where the will be separated. Those who believed and trusted and confessed him as Lord and those who would not confess him as Lord. And for those who confess him as Lord, eternal life is the gift. And for those who didn't, eternal damnation is the consequence. He's a merciful God. And the door is still open right now where he's given chance after chance, just like he did to the people of Ai. They knew he was God, yet they refused to honor him as the one true God. You and I can't have our cake and eat it too, as we like to say. We have to lay down the sin. We have to lay down our own will. And we have to surrender to him. That's why you have to resolutely stand against evil and say, I won't allow one ounce of it in my home. I, I can't let this thing pass and then not watch over this because just all the enemy needs is one little foothold. One foothold is all he needs. That's why Joshua said, we can't show any mercy to the enemy. We will not let it stand. We got to get rid of every bit of evidence of the enemy in our life. Can I ask you, tonight have you shown no mercy to the enemy or do you show more mercy to that than you do the will of God in your life are we afraid of offending someone so we say we'll tolerate it we're great at tolerating sin especially when it's somebody close to us or it's something in our life that we really like and it's like but I'm doing so good in all these other areas what's wrong with this one little area can I tell you God says don't tolerate any of it. Show no mercy to the enemy. God wants to see you victorious tonight. He wants to see you walking and not fearing. He wants to see you honoring and obeying his plan. He wants to see you using every resource he's given you. He, he wants to see you. He wants to see you following after him and, and looking to him. He wants to see you going on the offense. But in order to do that, You've got to say, I've made up my mind. I will not tolerate it any longer. I want to see victory in my life. Would you stand to your feet with me? With heads bowed and eyes closed tonight. I know it's Wednesday. I don't want to take very long. But I know the Lord's speaking to hearts tonight. 
Maybe it's somebody in your family that you're thinking of right now. Maybe it's somebody on your job. Somebody you know needs victory. Maybe it's you that needs victory tonight, and you've seen defeat in that area over and over again. I think of the words of Paul. He says, this thorn in the flesh that just keeps hanging on, that thing that you just can't seem to find victory in, what is it that's keeping you from seeing the victory? What is it that's keeping you from seeing complete and total victory? I believe God wants to see you have that tonight. He wants to be your champion. You just got to open up your mouth and declare his word and go on the offense tonight. So if you'd say, Pastor Chris, I, I need victory in an area of my life where I'm believing for victory in somebody in my life tonight, would you just slip your hand up right where you are? And I want us to come into agreement with prayer. There are hands up all over the sanctuary. Would you just take the hand of the person next to you right now? Can we begin to pray for one another in this moment? Father, I thank you that you're speaking. God, I'm thankful that you've given us the tools and the resources to see complete and total victory in our life tonight. So, God, I'm asking you, God, to help us to lay down our will and say, not my will, but your will be done in my life. God, help us to step up and not fear. Even though we've seen defeat in the past, we will not fear because you are with us tonight. Father, I pray you'd help us tonight, God, to intellectually seek your will, God, and follow your plan. Wait on you, Father. God, I pray we'd use every resource and carefully consider those tonight. Father, I pray that we would trust you always. And God, when we find ourselves in a moment of despair, in a moment of, of fell, falling away, God, that we would run close to you and not run from you, Father. God, I pray you'd help each and every individual to step up and go on the offense. God, as the song said, when we open up our mouth, miracles start breaking out. God, when I open up my mouth, walls start crumbling down. God, help a mom tonight to begin to open up her mouth in her home tonight. God, help her to begin to declare your word over her home tonight. God, I pray for a husband tonight. God, on their job as they're, they're trying to provide for their family, God, and they feel the weight of the world on their shoulders. God, may they not take it from the enemy one more day, but begin to declare your word that says you are Jehovah Jireh. You'll provide all of my needs according to my riches to your, your riches in glory Father. Help us to go on the offense tonight. God help a son or daughter in their schools not sit back and take another lie from the enemy ever again but may they begin to declare the word of the Lord over their schools and in their community and may they begin to see your kingdom come and your will be done God. Help us not to show any mercy but to resolutely declare that we will not take anything from the enemy. God, we will not tolerate any other sin, any other voice other than yours, Father. God, help us not to show mercy to sin, but God, help us to cling to you for mercy. And God, may you cleanse our hearts, cleanse our minds, cleanse our homes, cleanse our vehicles. God, cleanse us on our jobs, in our schools, Father. God, help us to stand up and show no mercy. And may we see complete and total victory in your name, we pray. And it's in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight? Come on, he's good and he's faithful. Come on, can you praise him like you're going to see victory tonight? Come on, the children of Israel had to shout before they saw. They didn't shout when the wall fell. They shouted before the wall fell. Can you shout like you're about to see every wall of the enemy come crumbling down and see total victory tonight? Come on, can we shout over Chattanooga for just a moment and declare we're going to see freedom and victory in this city. 
God, we're going to see gang violence go down. We're going to see lack be destroyed. We're going to see his kingdom flow through like a river. Come on, I'm going to shout over Athens and McMinn County right now and declare lack will not be their problem, but they will see the righteousness of God. They will see it and dwell in it. We praise you, Jesus. We're so thankful. So God, we declare we're going to walk in your goodness and in your favor everywhere we go and help us to walk in victory. In Jesus' name, hug three or four people's necks and tell them you've got the victory, neighbor. We pray you have a blessed week. We hope to see you Sunday in this house at 10 a.m. God bless you. Have a great week.